Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 238 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And my name is Barbara. Hello. What's happening, Barb? How are you this week? Great. I am fan-fantastic. Yeah? I am. <laughs> I am. I'm good. What's happening? Well, I was wondering, since you are a CDT, did you get the latest JDT magazine? Oh, yes, I did. There's a couple things. One of them is that we won the WOW Awards, and the race is in there. Did they have a thing about the race? I didn't see that part. Well, of course you didn't see that. <laughs> I might have gone to uh, just a certain <laughs> section. Pictures of you racing, I hope? Possibly. Is that meaning you don't want people to go check it out so they can see it? or No, let's just keep the, the focus on our voices. <laughs> Come on. So it's out now. Yep. Barb and I are honored and pleased to be picked as one of the 2022 WOW products and services. Wow. Every year, anyone can submit a product and a service that's in our industry, and then a team votes on what makes the list. So usually it's, I don't know, fancy zirconia, a new milling machine, or heck, even a company that mills gold. But this year, there's, there's, also, a a, there's also a podcast. <laughs> I Sweet. guess we're considered a service? Of course we're considered a service. We're not a product. We're a service. We're a service. We are servicing the listening audience. So a big thank you to JDT and everyone involved with the selection. It's truly an honor just for people to listen, let alone win a wow award. I like how you say wow. It's like wow, wow, wow. When people say voices from the bench, wow. Can't believe you said that is usually what I hear. (laughs) So this week, we are in for a super-duper treat. Next year in Maine, there is a live patient course dealing with proper technique to get the best results when working with removables. So you might be wondering, why are we talking about an event that's almost a whole year off? Well, that's because our good friend and multi-episode guest, Jeremiah Noss, is bringing over a well-known prosthetic expert from England to teach this course. So fantastic. It's Love awesome. It. Yep. Finley Sutton trained to be a dentist. Finding out that he preferred working with removables built up a reputation for being the guy that could do a denture when no one else could. Jeremiah is a dental technician turned denturist with a want to become better at what he does. So Finley comes on to talk about some of the tricky cases he has seen in his career and how he goes about treating them. Jeremiah lays down what we can expect at the upcoming event that's limited to only 30 people, and together they talk about what they hope to accomplish by teaching other clinicians, and maybe a few technicians, how much better removables can be if it's done correctly from the beginning. True to that. Even if you don't have any interest in taking this course, There is a lot of good information shared between these two smart and intelligent removable gurus. So please join us as we welcome back Jeremiah Noss, and for the first time, we welcome Finley Sutton. 
You know, Barb, the holidays are just around the corner. I know, Elvis, don't remind me. We've got gifts, vacation, celebration, food, and God, it gets so expensive. Heck yeah, it's expensive extremely in this economy. Have you ever thought about turning in your alloy scrap from the lab? Well, I'll be. Who has scrap anymore? Everything is mostly zirconia these days, right? True. But just look on how high the price of precious metals are. Oh, yeah. Record highs. Off the charts. Of course, you are using less precious metals these days. But if you turn in half of what you sent in five years ago, you will get more now than you got five years ago. Half. Can you believe that? Yeah, I can, actually. That's amazing. Of course, this is all if you use a trusted reputable refining company. Well, I can say this, and I know this for sure. The only company I know that has been tested, trusted, and reputable for over a hundred years, a hundred years, is Colzer. They burn, melt, and assay all under one roof in their state-of-the-art refining facility in Wartburg, Tennessee. You know, they've actually doubled their production capacity to ensure that you get your payout within two weeks. That's quick. That's plenty of time to have your money before the holidays. I've got a question, though. How much of the value will we get? Well, the most of any company. Think about it. Their reimbursement to you is everything. Everything that you turn in, all they take is a 10% refining fee. Wow. There are zero additional fees. Colzer Refining will also send you a free container to ship it in, a prepaid fully insured UPS label, everything you need to get started. Just head over to mydental360.com forward slash refining or call our good friend, the Director of Precious Metal Refining, Tony Cercelli at... 914-906-1843. Well, I can tell you this. As soon as we're done, I'm going to ask somebody to collect all the vacuum bags, floor sweeps, miscasts, and spills from all over the lab so that we can get the best scrap return in the industry with Colzer Refining. Well, just because I know that you listen to the podcast, all you got to do is mention or note Voices from the Bench when you're turning in your scrap and Colzer Refining will add an additional 5% wow, that's a lot. to your value. Isn't that huge? Yeah. Just think of the gifts you could buy and send to us at the podcast. It's amazing. <laughs> and we appreciate your support of the podcast, Colzer Refining, that is always tested, trusted, and honest. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. We'd like to welcome to the podcast two gentlemen that actually are putting on quite a program next year, I believe. But we're welcoming back past podcast guest and good friend, Jeremiah Noss. How are you, sir? Doing wonderful. Doing wonderful. Thank you for uh, having me back. Absolutely. What's this, <laughs> like your third, fourth time? <laughs> I don't know. Too many times. I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> too many times. So, Jeremiah, you're up in Maine. You became a denturist. I'll put links to all your old episodes because I think we follow your oh, whole yeah. path to denturism. We totally did. Yep. I think we talked to you when you were like thinking about it. Then we talked to you while you're doing it. And then I think we've actually talked to you since. Yep. You're up in Maine doing the denturist thing. And then you announced this great program you're putting on next year. And you're bringing in a gentleman from the UK, Finley Sutton. How are you, sir? 
I'm very well, thank you, and it's fantastic to be here. <laughs> Good to have you. So, Jeremiah, we know your story. We know where you come from. Old news. Old news, sir. But, Finlay, let's hear your story. So, what do you want to know? How did you get started? How did you become known as an expert in removable prosthetics in the UK? Okay. Well, I qualified as a dentist in 1993, and I spent six years in general practice, and I really hated it. (laughs) (laughs) So, and then... I I think I felt really unprepared for doing good quality dentistry. And I just had a real problem when I had patients that come in and I'd just not make them happy. So it was all aspects of prosthodontics. It wasn't just dentures. It would be like crowns and bridges. People maybe wouldn't be happy with the appearance of something. And I just really struggled with it. And I think during my undergraduate program, I always felt there was a a bit of a division between clinicians, dentists, and and the lab. So when I was at Sheffield at the dental school, mm-hmm. I would I'd go into the lab and it would be like going onto the workshop floor and I just felt I just didn't know anything. Um, I didn't understand how all this stuff was being made. So it was just a real problem. And um, so when I went into practice, I was just underprepared. And after about six years in general practice, I was almost at the point of giving up, um, you know, because of needing to, you know, refund people for dentures and doing whatnot. In six years, did you ever make anybody happy? (laughs) Yeah, most of the time I would be. Okay, good. So (laughs) there was too many times where it just did not work. Yeah. Um, And so from that point there, I just needed to make a decision, you know, that whether I should continue within dentistry or whether I should do some, actually learn to do it better. So I got in touch with a professor who was a Scottish professor at Manchester um, Dental Hospital. And and he was called Fraser McCord. And, And he said to me, look, Finn, I think I've got the right place for you here come and come and do a master's program in prosthodontics and it was just the best thing that I'd ever done and I was able to really learn much more how to you know produce really good quality um, dentures uh, crowns and bridges I was working closely with the lab there but the reason that I absolutely loved dentures or became really to enjoy them was that Fraser he was just brilliant at, at dentures Professor McCord was just fantastic and that was his great love and that rubbed off on me so that was like the a really really important milestone and probably the best professional year I'd ever had up to that point. So this was like in 99 to 2000. So that was one really brilliant aspect. But another really super aspect was that um, I became really good friends with the chief prosthodontic technician at the dental hospital. He lived really close to me. So we used to car share and drive in. And it was about an hour's drive getting into Manchester, Mm. So we would, during that year, sit and discuss cases that we were treating. And, and it was brilliant. It was the first time I'd worked with a technician where his, 
his work just looked, it looked really good and it fitted beautifully. So it was just really, it was great. And I've, I've worked with Rowan ever since, you know, from that point onwards. And it was way back then, just over 20, 20 years ago that we decided to, um, we thought, right, okay, once I've finished all of my master's and done further specialist training, we'll open a practice up together. You know, we'll get somewhere, a high street uh, practice and start doing this uh, for real. And it was just uh, really, really good. So I think really it's down to the luck of finding a fantastic technician, actually, that has brought me into dentures. Did he have to convince you to get into prosthetics or was this, I mean, after your six years of, I don't want to say failing, but not doing great, was it hard to convince you to continue? Not really. I think um, once I got into doing the master's program and decided to, you know, just stop, I actually stopped working completely and did this full-time master's program and and I paid to do that as well. So I, I saved up enough money. I moved back in with my mum and dad <laughs> and then did this master's program. And it was as soon as I started doing that, I knew that it was it, it was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And um, I was really cocky, you know, I <laughs> as well. I, yeah. I, thought, I thought I knew a lot about dentistry and Fraser McCord made sure that I really knew that he, he told me in no uncertain ways that Finn, you really do not know what you're doing, and you need to, <laughs> and you need to, Love you know, it. you need to learn how to do this and get your head, you know, get get into the library, um, get looking at those papers, looking at the textbooks, working it out. So it was actually really exciting to do that, and it was really exciting to meet Rowan, the technician. So no, it, he didn't. It didn't take a lot of convincing, but but I think it was just the way that Rowan took me on as a person, and he saw that I wanted to learn, and and really took me into the lab. Said, you know, this is how we do it in here. Bring the case in. I want to see it. I'll come onto the clinic and see the patients with you, and I can meet that person. And it started to really become a really nice sort of thing about helping patients and doing things really well. So it was really good. How much did you learn in the lab? Was there a lot of lab work at the school or was this your real first experience? When I was an undergraduate, I learned sort of how to make a set of dentures and we did that, went through that process. And I think we did um, a a crown and a Maryland bridge. Um, uh, So so I sort of knew the sort of the basics, but I didn't Uh know about, occlusion and about articulators and about recording things properly and taking really good impressions um wait a minute they didn't teach you that in school about taking really good impressions no never <laughs> Oops. not surprising to me <laughs> no i think do you know what elvis i think it's just an attitude thing i think it's not i don't think it's a reflection on the dental school i think it's a reflection on me as a person at the time um i was so young you know i went into dental school at 18 oh wow and so uh, I'd be. I was qualified by the time I was twenty-two. Uh, wow. so, 
I was still watching cartoons at 22. <laughs> so I was a, a really good at passing exams, um, you know, and just doing what was necessary. But I didn't realize that dentistry was a vocation, really. Um, at the end of this, I'll be out there treating patients. I thought once I got the ticket, I'd be absolutely fine at treating patients. But I found for me personally, that just was not the case. So it was really, I think it was just me growing up and getting more mature. Yeah. What's on papers is definitely not what's going on in the real world. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So what are you doing now? So so what I'm doing now is I have a, a referral practice in the northwest of England. We're just north of Manchester. Okay. And... We take referrals for patients um, from most of the, the county that I'm in is called Lancashire. And so from Lancashire and also Cumbria, which is just north of us, we take lots of patients from there. And that's the majority of people. And so they're referred in by dentists uh, to me. In the practice, um, in the dental office, we have a, a laboratory there as well. So Rowan works in the room next door to me. Nice. So I now, at the moment, I do two days clinical a week, um, and Rowan works four days clinical. We're just slightly winding down. I'm in my early 50s now, and I've just re- reduced my clinical time slightly, and so is Rowan. He's he's 55. So, But the amount of denture work that I generate over two days yeah. means it keeps Rowan fully employed for those four days wow in fact he's probably a bit too busy so no so we've had the practice for 15 years and we've just gradually built up a really really good reputation so so we get patients referred to us from all over britain um also ireland and i sometimes do get patients from abroad as well i have had one patient come over to me from boston from the usa wow so when you say you get referrals, um, so you guys do all of the very, very difficult cases that other dentists just don't have the experience to do? Exactly. That's it. So they're all really, generally really tough cases. So, and really interesting, challenging cases. So it's it's just brilliant. You know, I love it. It was like a dream come true having a practice with a lab in it. I love yeah. it. Um yeah. You know, because it's the heart of the business. And and I absolutely love going through into the lab and just talking with Rowan, discussing cases and seeing what he's doing. It's just fantastic. What also I love as well is that if I'm treating a patient, I can just pop through into the lab with the dentures, adjust them, polish them without the patient watching me do it. Yeah, yeah. They don't see me hack loads of plastic off this denture in front of them thinking it. Yeah. Uh, but it, I think it's really good psychologically. It's just great. I love it. And also the other, I think, brilliant thing is that we can, Rowan can come through into the surgery and actually meet the patient and look in the mouth. And we both have mutual respect for each other because I understand the limitations that technicians have that Rowan has 
I try and push the boundary with him all the time, but he also totally understands and gets it. If I've got a patient who can't open very wide or maybe have a, a, a gag reflex issue. So it just works so well. And actually the biggest thing I'd say that um, the biggest issue that Rowan has with anything that I do is he always wants more space. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. Sounds like a technician. Yes. <laughs> I need more space, what he always says. Just open the patient's bite. Come on. That's right. Yeah, jack him open. It's fine. So when you think about a difficult case that another doctor has sent to you, like can you take me through a recent case that makes it difficult and how you treated it? Yeah, I can. It's just... I'm actually writing up a case at the moment, which I'm going to just post on Facebook tomorrow. Wow. And it, it's a, you know, patients nowadays quite often have take bisphosphonates and this medication, which reduces the potential for osteoporosis. Mm-hmm. And if patients take this medication for a long time, in fact, the lady that came over from Boston, she was in the same position, where if patients have had bisphosphonates for a long time, and if it's given intravenously, they can't have dental implants or having mouth, any sort of surgery in the mouth, like extractions, can produce this horrible necrosis of the jaw, um, which is very difficult to manage and treat from a surgical perspective. So I saw a patient um, from Liverpool recently. He came up to see me and he has lots of retained roots in the lower arch. Um, He's part dentate in the upper, but in the lower arch, loads of retained roots, bits and pieces, but he can't have those extracted. And he's been given two lots of dentures by his dentist. One was just jacked open and there's just no way. He, his OVD was just increased too much, so he just couldn't manage with that. Mm-hmm. And then the other denture was so thin, it was breaking all the time. Mm. So in this circumstance, what we've done is we've made him a, low, a full lower overdenture, which has got metal occlusal surfaces. So it's, it's cobalt chrome on all of the biting surfaces. And then on the labial aspect, you've just got the white teeth, just, you know, normal denture teeth. And underneath is a very thin acrylic base, but it's mainly metal that just sits over the remaining teeth. So it's super thin and it's not jacked him open too much. And and he can manage with that. And, And actually I've supplied him with two dentures, two lower dentures, which are, virtually identical so Rowan's made him two so he can wear one on a Monday swap it over the next one on a Tuesday and keep alternating these dentures so that when one breaks or requires repair he's got another one there that is comfortable and he can wear it and then Rowan can repair the denture without having to knock his pan out wow Mm. it's awesome is that a common type of patient you see? No, it isn't really, no, but it's increasingly common. So that leads me on to other patients that I see is increasingly it's patients who've had multiple rounds of implant treatment, you know, like all on four, all on six yeah. type approaches that have, that have failed. 
and then it leaves a huge defect. Um, the ridge height is really small, shallow, so it requires some really, really good removable prosthetics, you know, really good dentures to replace that missing tissue and for the patient to be able to function as well. So, And often the only solution for these patients is either going like zygomatic implants mm. Um, mm. or having a really good denture. And quite often they're reluctant to have further implants just because of past failure. So this is another group that I'm seeing um, increasingly uh, and really quite challenging, but also quite rewarding too. And then I've got other patients who are uh, your sort of standard complete denture patients that just want something that looks really good, just looks like natural Mm. teeth. Um, You know, they're sick of having piano keys or just really straight white. Yeah. Straight white, boring teeth, or maybe someone's made a non, you know, a comment uh, to them. You know, where did you get your dentures done? You know, or something like that in the shop. And they just want to have something done that's really nice. So, yeah, so that's another group of patients. And But the majority, I would say, I'd say about 70% of my patients are part dentate. You know, so they are requiring just really, really superb metal-based dentures to replace multiple missing teeth. Wow. Seems like you're the go-to fix-it guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is the end of the road, actually, to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, Jeremiah, how do you hear about a guy from the UK doing difficult cases? Well, actually, I've heard about uh, Dr. Sutton here for a long, long time, part of the DTG with other associates and colleagues from Arian to Eugene to some of these other people really started introducing him to me on Facebook. And really from there, it was just, it was kind of awe-inspiring to see the the level of documentation that would happen. And just for someone in my particular situation where, and I kind of love what, you know, Finley said about starting off early and thinking you know your thing until you step into the real world and finding out that there's just simply challenges that you just didn't, no one really taught you to, we're going to be there. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's been that way. I mean, if, if, if I'm honest with the world, you know, as a laboratory technician, I've been a technician since I could walk, you know, my, you know, this is some second generation. My parents did nothing but. So I kind of came into the whole being a provider as a, you know, Hey, you know, I know my stuff, right. You know, I mean, I got this licked, you know, I go through the college process. Oh, no problem at all. And then you start seeing some of your real first patients and you start realizing the limitations and challenges that the real world truly presents. Um, so I would start really trying to follow uh, Dr. F- uh, Sutton's protocols to some degree. I mean, I wouldn't try to like, well, let's be honest. I would try to replicate them. I mean, everything I saw, I was trying to learn <laughs> I was trying to use the same materials and just do whatever I could to improve because definitely as a technician, I felt that everything should be perfect. My model should be ideal. Everything should just be perfect. And when I, and when I didn't get perfect from my providers, I kind of, I kind of balked at it, to be honest with you. And then becoming a provider, you should really start to try to understand that, Hey, you know, there's just challenges that um, aren't in the books. So following his protocols and they worked. I mean, they worked. A little while ago, for the very first time, I did a dual impression on an upper immediate denture that has someone had severely mobile teeth. And I, mean, I never talked to Finley about this. I just saw his techniques and documented about how to take an impression, a, a two-staged impression. 
And heck, let's go for it. Let's try it. And it worked. And it was just like, holy crap. There's a whole world of knowledge out there that I just don't have that I need. Hmm. Um, So I followed him for a long time. And then, quite honestly, when uh, when me and my wife uh, came up here to Maine, we wanted to get back into doing more educational type of events than what we were doing, because obviously through the pandemic, everything shut down. Yeah. So I kind of jokingly told my wife that, and I meant it in a cocky way, but with the expectation that it would never happen. <laughs> um, and I said, you know, I'm going to throw Finley an email and see if he wants to come over here and speak for us, you know, do a lecture for us. And she said, yeah, right, whatever, go for it. <laughs> Why would he want to go to Maine? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm no one that he knows. You know, we've never talked on the phone. We've never really done work together. I'm just, in my mind, I'm just a stranger to him. Why would he even trust me to set something of this nature up? So anyway, um, I went ahead and developed the email, sent it out to him, and he replied very quickly, and he was all on board for it. And it just kind of honestly on my end been a little mind blowing because I have a, what I call my dental bucket list mm. and he is really, really high up on that bucket list of educators that I would want to hear from and be taught from. So it was just, it's just been like this role of, you know, emotions and, you know, honestly excitement thinking about making this happen and lining this up and then trying to get other denturists and other providers out there to take advantage of the knowledge that is out there and it really is out there but the knowledge that i need at this point in time in my life and maybe i'll feel wrong and differently about this in a couple of years but at this point i need to step away from the books so much and i need to start getting into more real life situations mm-hmm. so even one of the main thing one of the most awesome things i think about this course offers people coming up in august of next year is the fact that we are going to be using a live patient um, you know, not just a slide lecture, you know, we're going to be using a live patient and we all get to sit there and, and truly watch Finley's protocols, you know, from everything from how he talks to a patient, his mannerisms around a patient. I'm interested in things that people aren't even probably thinking about, like, you know, what is his body position when he's taking an upper impression? You know, where does he stand? Where does he hold himself around a patient if he's trying to do this? There's all kinds of those things that I am just so super excited to see and to watch. So yeah, no, this is going to be super exciting. They don't teach you that in school, Jeremiah? Where to stand? (laughs) They do. They do. They They have You know, they have YouTube videos of this and that. But once again, I mean, you get someone in a wheelchair, you get someone that won't sit still. Yeah, won't sit still. Exactly. I mean, I get people that have Parkinson's disease or, you know, they have different challenges. And so, you know, the basics of education absolutely have to be there. We have to have the foundation. Um, But once you have the foundation, then you start realizing that it truly was just a foundation and it was not a mastery of the industry. Hmm. Well, that's true on even technician side. We talk about when people go to technician school that they're working on the perfect preps and the perfect models. Absolutely. And then they get into a lab. (laughs) Yeah. And nothing's perfect. (laughs) And you can't see the margin. (laughs) And there's not enough space to your point, Finley. Mm, That's true. I think that's really, really important. That's really, I loved what you said, um, Jeremiah. It's just fantastic. And and I just feel really, really honored to be able to, the, the fact that the world is so global now, so you can see what I'm doing straight away and vice versa. So we can just share our knowledge. So everything I do is just built on um, 
uh, other people's work that's just fantastic. You know, like Dr. Abe in Japan and mm-hmm. a, a chap called John Besford, who was a one of the best British denture-making dentists who I'm, who's still my mentor. He's just fantastic. But it's just wonderful watching an expert work, you know, just watching them do it, particularly when you're at a point where you're actually doing it yourself properly. So, because when you're at school, you can't really put yourself in that position of actually being in reality doing it. But actually when you are physically at, you know, you work as a dentist or work as a technician, you're actually doing the job. That's when you can really pick up stuff when you're watching other people do it. So I can't wait, Jeremiah, to see that patient in Maine and uh, do some impressions and demonstrate my body position and what I'm doing. We'll have to have a knee break chair, Jeremiah. So they'll just on a normal chair with a headrest. Yeah. And I can do just, it'll just be fantastic. So, uh, so I'm looking forward to it. So we're going to be doing impression making um, and also uh, carving the wax rim, copying a photograph of the patient when they had their natural teeth as well. So mimicking, you know, trying to carve that rim, imagining um, that patient having the natural teeth there. So and doing all those steps with that. And and also, in addition, I think something that's really useful in prosthetic dentistry is to record CR really accurately uh, using a gothic arch tracing system, you know, the central bearing apparatus. So that's also something I want to be showing in May next year, too. Can't wait. So, Finley, when Jeremiah reached out to you, did you have any idea who he was? I mean, he's like a legend in our industry over here in the States. Not really. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm trying to suck up. But seriously, did you, have you ever heard of him or did you know of him? Yes, I'd heard of Jeremiah, but I didn't, truly, I didn't, I didn't know how big of a deal he was in America at all. So, so no, but do you know what? I just love America. I love <laughs> the USA. My parents lived there uh, 1969 to 1970. They lived in Chicago wow. and... My dad loved it, but my mum was homesick. Mm. So they they actually came back to England, and I could have been American. I was conceived in Chicago. Wow. <laughs> That's close. They flew back in February, and I was born in April. Mm. So my dad always had a love of the States, and, and so have I. And I this will be the first time. Well, no, actually, I'm speaking in... Las Vegas um, next month, which I'm super excited about. But this will be my first proper two-day conference that I'll be doing um, in Maine next year. So I'm just super excited about it. And bringing the whole family over, having a holiday, it would just be terrific. And you're going to Maine. <laughs> Maine's beautiful. It is beautiful. Come I'm on. just joking. I'm joking. It is. It's, you know, it's August in Maine. I mean, really, um, in terms of you know, having the most beautiful weather in Maine, uh, you know, you, you can't argue with August. Um, so. Absolutely. I've been to um, the Adirondacks in 1990, um, and that was um, uh, just wonderful, you know, New York State, and it was just fantastic. And that was August. It was just so beautiful. And that, what I remember is just so many trees. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
So doctor, how many courses are you putting on now in the UK? Or do you have like a course every six months or? I run six courses a year in wow. up here in Lancaster. And then I'm all over doing. So these, I'm talking about my home courses in Lancaster. I run where I have a patient that comes in and then we've got a really small group of people, maybe 15 delegates just watching. So there's a complete denture course that I run. Um, immediate dentures, partial dentures, and implant over dentures. So they're really small groups with a patient there. It's terrific. And then usually about once a month, I'll be traveling somewhere, you know, go to London or Glasgow or somewhere um, elsewhere to do some teaching as well. So it's, um, I love it. I really love sort of showing what I'm doing and sharing and hopefully just increasing the quality of, of dentures that are done in Britain and hopefully, um, you know, the rest of the world. It's really good fun. I love it. So is it geared towards mostly dentists or do you include the dental technician? And, and if so, does Rowan work with them as well or show them any of his techniques? Yes, he does. So when they come up to the... The course, when, when I run the complete denture course, Rowan is part of that. Wow. And so we get the delegates to set up um, the upper anterior teeth for a patient. So we have all the wax rims already. So we'll have 15 wax rims and all the teeth ready and then a photograph of the patient. And then the, the delegates arrange the teeth and then they try them in the patient's mouth. So we get a number of different types of delegates. They are mainly dentists, but generally each course will have a, we call them clinical dental technicians, denturists, will have at least one or two on each of the courses. Wow. And occasionally, which I think is really good, is we have a, a technician that comes with their dentist. Wow. They, they come together and can yeah. learn together. So... I particularly love teaching um, uh, CDTs, denturists. I love mm-hmm. it because they've got both feet in both camps, you know. Yeah, all, um, for sure. And I think we have, you know, the clinical dental technicians in Britain has increased quite a lot recently and they definitely make way better dentures than the average dentist. Hmm much better so they're offering a better service to those people so i'm on all of their forums and i'm almost like a honorary um denturist really so why do you think that's increased as of late more technicians getting into the that part of it i think it's just since they were able to legally do it and i think we've got to be really honest about it as dentists i think most dentists hate making dentures Yep. Um, not all of them will admit that, but it's a... Many will admit it, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here they will, anyways. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think that it's just a... It's a new branch of dentistry, and it's growing, and it will continue to grow. You know, the weird thing is that although dentures are, you know, less there's a reduced percentage of the population requiring dentures. The population of as a whole is growing. So actually, there are more denture patients out there than there ever were before, even though the percentage is dropping in terms of people that have dentures. So there's still a massive need for it. Um, 
And I, I, I can only see that carrying on for a long time because dental disease, it's still there. Periodontal disease, caries, you know, it's just still an, a big issue. And people losing their teeth and needing to treat that. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So let's talk about the course exactly. So that's August of 2023. So we're still a good year out, correct? Yes. Yeah. All right. What does somebody need to do to look into it, to sign up for it? And uh, what exactly are they getting themselves into? All right. So let me give you a little bit of a rundown of the time because we're really trying to make this really more of, of a main event per se than just simply an educational event. And what I mean by that is I know people are going to have to take time off work and you know it's expensive. So besides just simply showing up for the course, for people who want to, uh, what we're going to do is offer that previous or that that week prior setting up some tours, maybe some whale watching tours, some, you know, a lighthouse tours, trying to be sure that the people who do want to come in, you know, maybe two or three days early have some setup of events so they don't feel like they're just kind of wandering around the state of Maine, which you're more than welcome to do, but we want to be sure we kind of cater to their time also. So, you know, that's kind of how we're starting it off. Okay. You know, me and Finley, of course, we're going to have some things to do with the patient ahead of time to be sure we're ready for the course. But the participants themselves are going to have a Friday night reception that me and Amanda are going to hold. And then wake up Saturday morning and we're going to be all starting the event. I believe it's uh, about 8, 8.30 in the morning on Saturday. So everyone will sit, sit in for Finley on Saturday and Sunday. And one of the things that we haven't really talked about too much that, uh, that uh, Dr. Finley is going to help us out with is our PDs. So let alone the live patient education that's going to happen with the full dentures, uh, the edentulous situation, he will also cover some RPD cases and information. And, you know, of course, anyone who knows, knows me knows I'm really anxious to hear about that aspect of it as well. Hmm. So what I do have available for anyone at all that wants is I have an email, I have a brochure, I have an outline, a very detailed outline of what each day is going to look like. So, you know, kind of hour by hour, Finley has provided a little outline so to help us understand when and what is going to be accomplished on those two days. So from there, if you, anyone at all, I, um, I have it on my website, uh, loveyourdenture.com. Um, anyone can email me. My email is idadenturelove at gmail.com. So it's idadenturelove um, at gmail.com. And I will send you all that information along with a phone number that they can use to sign up for the course. Now, signing up for the course, what I've done here is also something a little unique. Um, well, the first couple of steps really are not that really, really unique. We're going to have a, a pre-registration price of 3500 bucks, And that pre-registration, to acquire the pre-registration, all we're asking is two things. One is that someone sign up for the course prior to January 1st, 2023 and put $1,000 down to, to acquire that pre-registration package. Okay. What we're also doing that is really kind of the unique aspect of this is I know that a lot of providers in Finley kind of hinted on it already, which was the lack of communication, that disconnected communication that can happen with the team members involved in someone's treatment. So any provider that wants to pay the initial registration fee also has the choice of bringing an assistant um, for an additional fee of 750. 
nice. that assistant will bad. give, you know, the, the assistant themselves will get the same exact treatment as any provider would get. There is no like, you know, you get this, but not that. No, you're, you know, everyone, everyone will be treated exactly the same. Are you looking for denturists as well as doctors or mostly doctors? I'm looking for really to help out educate. In my world, you know, I think of denturists a lot. Most of the dentists around me, at least a lot of them, you know, refer their removables to me because just like Finley said, a lot of them don't find themselves to be highly successful at it, which at the end of the day means that they're not as profitable at it as they are in other scenarios. So they will fill their schedules up more with, you know, crowns, three inner bridges, implant placements and such versus trying to make a partial denture. So denturist, hygienist, doctors, anyone at all that is, I feel, involved in removable prosthodontics on any level has things to learn here. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's my big thing, even though I, I have openly tried to like literally copy procedurally what Dr. Sutton is doing. I think the most important thing is is to be exposed to other high-end individuals and just try to pick up on this technique or that technique, or maybe that person does this thing just slightly differently and it provides that little outcome. So, you know, for me, that's where the, uh, that's where the big picture is for that, for sure. Awesome. So we got the 750 for the assistant. Would that 750 work if they wanted to bring their technician? Um you know, that's a good question. And I'm going to honestly say, you know, yes. Okay. The intention really is more for it to be an assistant um, solely because it's important that the provider has their side by side assistant understand what they're trying to achieve. Okay. But with that said, if a technician, you know, if a provider has a technician that does come in often into the clinician, um, into the operatory to be a part of that, in my mind, they are an assistant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not big into denying education. So I, I, mean, I just want to, you know, the intention is that whoever is going to be in the operatory with the provider, I'm going to look at as an assistant. Good. That makes sense. So, you know, that's, you know, we, we want to definitely try to bridge that gap of knowledge so that everyone understands what the end goal is trying to be. Yep. So from there, well, you know, we got some other stuff going on too. This is kind of incidental things, but we got the Tooth Fairy McKenzie. She has custom designed us a shirt that we're going to use for the show. Uh, you know, we're going to try to put uh, all the bells and whistles into everything and make this as, 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 as you know, the best it possibly can be. So is there a limit on how many people are going to be at the course? There is. There is. You know, I've, you know, I've done a lot of thinking about that. And at the end of the day, as much as I don't want to tell someone no, I do want all participants to feel like this is a private enough event so that if they have a question, if they have a concern, whatever it is, that they're going to have time to have it addressed and not just simply get lost into a crowd. So we're thinking about 30 people, all included, um, is about what we're going to max out at. How do you guys find a patient or how do you, Jeremiah, find a patient? Like, what's your delivery in trying to find the right patient and explaining to them you know, all of these people that are going to be surrounding them and, you know, how do they deal with it and what are you looking for in that patient? You know, that, that's a great question, Barb. You know, and fortunately for me, I you know, daily meet just amazing people um, in my practice. And I have been practicing now for, you know, on my own per se for about a year clinically. I've been doing it for about going on two years, three years now. 
Yep. So I have met people that are just amazing people. They love to help. Um, they are educators in their own field and they're just amazing characters. So for me, I have honestly a list of people that I'm going to be calling <laughs> to find out, you know, who really wants to see me be involved. And quite honestly, I'm probably going to have to deny people because they're all going to want to help. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, I think what's going to matter the most is uh, the selection of that patient's going to come down to really who has previous photos of their face, um, you know, who has some of that background information that we need to truly give someone, Finley can give someone something that is natural to them. And so that's probably where going to be where most of my research or most of my due diligence with these patients is going to be is finding out someone who has a, enough of uh, past photos um, to, to show us what they used to have. Got it. Which is super important. Absolutely. I mean, I joke with my patients all the time. I tell them that I'm giving them homework, even though they haven't had homework in 60 years or however long. <laughs> And their homework is to go home and find me some photos, uh, you, know, what, you know, whatever they are. I don't care. I don't care if they were a photo of when you were 15 years old. Uh, that's fine. I, that's actually great. So anything. Yeah. Give them homework. Wow. That's right. That's great. And that's a credit to you, Jeremiah, because I bet you have a patient almost like every day they'll be willing to do this because you've got such a good rapport with them. And that, in fact, doing dentures is so sociable anyway um so you actually get to know the patients better than when you're drilling you know you've got them lying down drilling the the teeth and stuff for sitting up it's just lovely and you just get to know them the the dental nurse the assistant gets to know them really well so you won't have any trouble finding a patient it'll be really good yeah, I definitely don't believe I'm going to have any issues with that at all. No. And, and I fully agree with you about the patient relationship. That is one of the aspects that you read about in a book going through the schooling process. Um, but when you come out in the real world, that hits, at least it's hit me really hard. You know, um, I spend a lot, a lot of time with my patients and I probably don't see more than five or six patients a day do that three days a week. And it's common for me to spend, you know, an hour, hour and a half with each patient. Uh, and, you know, it's important to know who they are in and out of their professional lives. And you just, you become connected. And it is, I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how often we, things happen to our patients that emotionally affects us. And it doesn't yeah. even have anything to do with dentures whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. And it, it does, you, you know, you become part of these people's lives and it's a very re rewarding thing. Absolutely. So Finley, are you going to meet this patient before or is the whole course going to be you meeting the patient the first time? No, I'll meet the patient beforehand, but literally, uh, you know, a, a couple of days before. So it just means that we, what we'll need to do is to have uh, some various pieces of lab work ready so that I can do the... I can do a primary impression and then we'll have the custom trays ready um, and, and I can do the trays and do the rims, etc. So I'll meet the patient first and it would be just nice to get a rapport with them before, um, you know, I, I see that patient in front of the 30 people. But I do this all the time at, at running the course. In fact, I'm running a course next week here in Lancaster mm -hmm. and um there's 15 delegates and I have a, a complete denture patient that comes in to do that for us um, called Keith. 
and Keith loves it. You know, he's um, he's got a great photo of when he was at school with his teeth, and one of his upper right central was tipped back and the and crossed over. So, so we've made him complete dentures like that, and he just loves the whole experience of it. You know, the, even the people I I get all the delegates to get the phones out and film it. You know, they can film me doing the impressions. Um, and so they've got it for themselves to take away. And the, and the patients love it. They really enjoy the whole process. It's really good fun. Well, how many sets of dentures does Keith have at this point? Keith, <laughs> Keith he's, got a, he's got five currently. <laughs> so, But we have all the different stages just ready, you see. So we've got like the try-in ready and then the um, finished dentures, etc. So, it, But it's, it, yeah, it's great. He loves it. So does every one of the students try their wax-up dentures or, or the finished dentures in his mouth? They do if they want to. I think it's wow. a um, – I don't insist on it because some of them may be a little bit embarrassed about yeah, the setup, but, but I, I encourage it if they really want to. So they pop it in the patient's mouth. And do you know what? They are – the delegates are really good at it, even though they've probably never done it since dental school. And the, I think they find that if the rim is carved correctly – it's just a matter of putting the teeth on it. And that's one of the things that dentists, certainly in Britain here, that when they send the rims to the to the technician, that quite often they haven't been trimmed. Mm. You know. So the, the the technician's guessing to know where the teeth are gonna go. So I uh, I just have a really simple prescription system of trimming the rim. You know, going from getting the lip support right first, then the incisal plane, and then the occlusal plane, and then buccal corridors, and then center line, and and then the OVD. And it's just a nice step-by-step process. And if we've got really good dentate pictures, particularly if we've got a really good smiling one front on, and also if we've got them at um, as when they had the natural teeth at rest position. So we've got the lip support and then the rim can be carved according to that too. So all different angles. So I'd love to get the patient doing the homework, just like Jeremiah said. I said that to the lady <laughs> yesterday. I want yes. you to go and do your homework, get in the loft, get in the attic, go and find your photographs, please, of when you were... Uh, you know at school please or wedding albums stuff like that it's just brilliant so both of you are going to be at the national denturist association in a couple weeks from this recording i don't even know if i'll be able to get this recording out before that event happens but and that's in vegas yeah that's in vegas what are you talking about there both of you are going to be there right yeah we are so i'm doing a a two-hour lecture and it's going to cover Complete dentures, RPDs, and implant over dentures. Um, it's really clinical. It's just going to be like a whistle stop tour of exactly what I do for my patients. So, just step by step. You know, I don't mess about. So, I don't talk about studies or scientific papers. I just talk, show cases from start to finish so that hopefully um, the delegates, as soon as they get back to work on Monday, they can put stuff into practice. So I'm really, really excited about it. I can't wait. Nice. And what are you doing, Jeremiah? 
Uh, I'm doing an hour lecture on, well, what's listed as RPDs, but I always don't really ever know what I'm truly going to lecture on until like just before the lecture. So I've kind of locked it down in my head to talking about some techniques that I've learned over the years of not, I say, I haven't been doing it for that many years to go to say that. So during my short period of existence as a denturist, I, I should say, I've learned some techniques that work very well for me when I'm dealing with a patient that has a very pronounced gag reflex. Mm. And, you know, I've, so I'm going to talk about what I do and how I handle those particular situations based on the individual's level of gag reflex. Sometimes you can do things and get away with some stuff. Sometimes you can't. So I'm going to talk about that and then also talk about partials and my multiple different systems that I have now for taking impressions for people that need partials. Um, I've, I have about four different techniques. There's pros and cons to each one. And I'm just going to kind of share what I am currently doing and what I have learned along my way. Awesome. And just kind of, you know, go from there and hope that maybe, you know, there's someone else that, you know, once again, doesn't, you know, doesn't look for copy everything that we're necessarily doing. But maybe there's just something I can say or show that will just kind of uh, help clarify something for someone or show them a technique that they can use. Yeah. Nice. And you guys get to meet for the first time, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to it. Can't awesome. wait. So I'm actually coming over with my wife as well, Rachel. Um, so we're, we've never been to Las Vegas before. So we're going to. You're in for a treat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot like Maine, I think. There's a lot to do there, that's for sure. So, yeah, we're going to have. Um, we've got a week, like six days. So it's going to be really good fun. So the conference is right at the end of that. Um, so I'll bring Rachel along to the, um, I think there's like a do on the Thursday night, an American sports thing. So that'll be really good fun. Awesome. Um, so yeah, can't wait. That's exciting. I think it's really cool what both of you are doing, bringing this education. We all know the the downfalls the of, yeah, the need. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Barb. The need for removable education, especially in this country and I think it's great what you're doing. And Jeremiah, thanks for putting this together. Yeah. Well, I'm just lucky to to have someone like Finley that agreed to do this. You know I mean? So it's one of those things where you have a thousand wants and sometimes that doesn't really happen. And this is one of my wants. It's definitely is a, a very exciting thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Same here. I'm just really, I'm so pleased about this, um, you know, coming off. And, and thank you, Jeremiah, for reaching out to me. I just think it's, it's wonderful how the world is a smaller place now with the um, communication that we can have. It's just fantastic. Um, so, um, so yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. I think we lost Elvis because he's got his dogs. Elvis? No, yeah. sorry. I was talking. I just forgot I'm muted. <laughs> <laughs> we want to encourage everyone to, you know, register early for this. I mean, oh, yeah. 30 is not a lot. And I think there's going to be a lot of interest. And even though, you know, our audience is mostly technicians, I think it would be super smart for any removable technician to check this stuff out. Oh, and not to mention the fact, sorry to interrupt you, but we probably know dentists that must go to this course to learn that we could help as yeah. technicians. Every one of us knows a dentist. Yeah, definitely that. And alone, you know, there are technicians more and more now than ever that are chair side with their clinicians mm -hmm. 
who are looking for help. Yeah. We're looking to how to identify what's going wrong. Why is my bite not happening for me? Why is this, you know, why can't I get suction on this denture? And so we as technicians, I always classify myself as a technician still to, to some degree, are there to help people with these problems and be a solution. So I would fully agree. Here's a chance for technicians to come in and see a true expert do their thing and then be able to bring that knowledge back to the chair side challenge for the day. Awesome. Absolutely. Well said, sir. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining us on this podcast and talking about this exciting venture. We'll make sure all the links are up on the episode show notes. And uh, really, just thank you. All right, everybody. (laughs) We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Elvis. Thank you, Barb. Bye. Two dynamic teams have joined forces to rock the intraoral scanning world. Whitmix has added the three-shape Trios line of scanners to its line of digital solutions for the dental office. Together, this dynamic duo can get your dentist scanning, providing you the reliable scans you need for your lab work. If you're interested in learning more about helping your dentist, head over to tinyurl.com slash Trios. That's T-R-I-O-S. Again, that's the word tiny, URL.com slash Whitmix, T-R-I-O-S. And as always, we appreciate your support of the podcast, Whitmix. A huge thanks to Jeremiah for not only coming on the podcast again, but for putting on this upcoming course that we know is going to sell out early. And also a big, huge thanks for Finley, for coming on and the time difference, of course, to tell us about your amazing journey to get where you are and for sharing just a little bit of what you have learned over the years working on so many complicated cases. But everybody, be sure to head over to this episode show notes for information on signing up to learn from these two directly and in person. Also on this episode show notes is a link to sign up for an amazing email newsletter from Dr. Finley about removable prosthetics. This almost daily email is jammed full of amazing tips and case studies. So wonderful for anybody in dealing with dentures or partials. Check it out. Awesome, everybody. That's all we got for you. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. I'll do something with that. Thank you. We're done. (laughs)